Our scripture today is Genesis 9, verses 18 through 29. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backwards, and they did not see their father's nakedness. Then Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servants. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Amanda. Well, good morning, everybody. As Tim said, my name is Cody. Um, I'm thankful and honored to be here. When Tim first asked me if I would preach, he said it was because he was going to, you know, be on a trip with his family and stuff, but really, I'm pretty sure it's because it's the passage where Noah gets drunk, because, I mean, who wants to preach that, right? But, uh, but I'm, I'm thankful for him. I'm thankful that he's back and was able to enjoy his time uh, with his family in, in uh, paradise. Um, but yeah, I'm honored to be here this morning. Um, start my timer so I don't go over. Uh, Growing up, my mom ensured that my sister and I uh, made it to church whenever the doors were open. We were there Sunday mornings, we were there Sunday nights, we were there Wednesday nights. Uh, I was at every VBS every year. I participated in all of the special programs, Christmas, Easter, all of that stuff. I even went to summer camp uh, every year, and it was there that uh, I first, you know, kind of thought I gave my life to Jesus. And then even if that wasn't enough, my mom and dad put me and my sister into Christian school. We went to a private school and didn't go to public school because we needed to know about Jesus. And so Jesus was everywhere. I knew all of the Bible stories. I knew, I could tell you in and out of who did what, you know, the difference between Noah and Moses and Enoch. And, and I could even talk to you about like Jehoshaphat and stuff like that, you know. I knew it. I could answer all of the Sunday school questions. And I'm sure if my church had had a WANA, I probably would have received the Timothy Award, for those of you guys who know what that is. In high school, I attended three different youth groups. I served in missions trips. I dedicated my life to full-time ministry during that time. And then even after high school, I went to Bible college. And in Bible college, I could discuss and argue theology with the best. And then I served in whatever church that we were at, in kids' ministry, in youth ministry. 
I did everything that you needed to do because I was going to be a pastor. And I lived this life that was expected of me as a perfect Christian kid. The problem is if you watched my life from a distance, you would see this good Christian kid who grew into be a good youth group kid and then became a good church planter and pastor and Bible college student. But as my wife can attest and my kids will testify, the closer you looked at my life, you would see pride and selfishness and sin. So this morning, as we think about the story of Noah, we all know him as Noah and the ark. We know him as the guy who God saved from the flood because he was deemed a righteous man. However, if we, as we look a little bit closer, we will see even Noah's life has sin and brokenness. And yet in that sin and brokenness, we're going to see the beauty of the gospel and God keeping his covenantal promise that Kevin talked about last week. Because we'll notice that Noah and his sons, like all of us, are sinners, sufferers, and saints. Would you pray with me? God, this morning I'm... I'm humbled by your goodness and kindness to us. God, I'm thankful for your grace in the last week, preparing for this morning. And I trust that all of us are here for your divine purpose and your divine plan. And I, I pray, God, God, in spite of even my preparation and even my work, God, that you would work, that you would move, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning. That we would see your grace and your goodness in us. God, we praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, let's jump into Genesis chapter 9, verse 18. It says this, The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk, and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his brothers outside. So being obedient to God, Noah immediately begins to work to restore this broken world that he's now living in. He leaves the ark and, and goes immediately into the, fulfilling the, the, cover, or the command that God has given him to be fruitful, to multiply, and to work the earth. He soon enjoys the fruits of his labor a little too much, and he becomes drunk. What I find interesting about this passage is that it doesn't ever condemn Noah for becoming drunk, but it very clearly shows the foolishness of his choices. We see that his actions lead to him passing out naked in his tent. 
However, it doesn't focus on Noah's sin, but it does shine a light on the sins of his son, Ham. See, Ham sees his father exposed in his tent, and instead of covering him, he runs to go get his brothers. Ham had the choice to protect his father and hide his shame, but rather Ham chooses to spread his father's disgrace. Too often, I think we relish in others' foolishness. We focus on their sin and their sinful actions because it helps us hide our own sin and our own brokenness. If we can shine the light on other people, then the light won't penetrate into the darkness of my heart. What we see is that Noah and Ham illustrate here what God says in chapter 8 when he states that the intentions of man's heart are evil from his youth. See, even though God had just cleansed the entire earth with the flood, he had made it clean and, and new again, he didn't make it perfect. He didn't eliminate sin. His cleansing actually left it broken and destroyed. And that there was almost like a rebirth that needed to happen. So then we need to ask the question is how do Noah's other sons respond? What's, what do their actions show us? Verse 23, Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on, their, on both their shoulders, and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backwards and they did not see their father's nakedness. See, Noah's other sons they refused to participate with Ham. They refused to exacerbate their father's shame. Instead, they insisted on not looking at their father's nakedness, and they walked backwards with this robe between them, and they covered him. Their actions stand in sharp contrast to the choices of Ham. While Ham chose to sin, Shem and Japheth chose sympathy. They chose compassion and they chose righteousness. The picture of Noah's sons covering his nakedness is a clear parallel to God covering the nakedness of Adam and Eve. Like Adam, Eve, Noah, and Ham, we are all sinners. We have all been born sinful. And it's not that we're sinners because we have made bad choices or because we have sinned, but we are born inherently with this sin nature. Thankfully, God cover, his, God's son covers us with his robes of righteousness. Like Noah's sons who walked backwards and covered his father, their father's sins, the son of God, Jesus, covers us. He covers us with his perfection and his righteousness. See, if we look to the New Testament and we see Jesus, we see that Jesus actually became nakedness and shame for us so that he could cover our sin, sinfulness. His sinless death covers our sinful life.
while Noah and Ham show us that even after the flood, there is, we are still sinners. They also show us something else about their life that I think we may miss at times, is that they were also sufferers. Verse 24, Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. See, Noah awakes from his drunken stupor, and somehow he learns of what his son had done. And instead of cursing Ham directly, he curses Ham's son. It's like Noah had just experienced this shame and this brokenness through his son, so he hands down a curse to his grandson that will bring shame to Ham. And while we're never told if God actually like, supports or backs this curse and ever brings it to fruition, what we do see is that Ham's descendants, the Canaanites, will live in constant conflict with Shem's descendants, the Israelites. There's this constant brokenness between their two relationships. What we see is that Noah had just, and his family had just experienced this cataclysmic disaster, this destruction of the world that he knew and all the people that he knew. I can imagine he and his family sitting in that ark, spending time picturing all the faces of their friends and their loved ones who I know they knew were no longer alive. Imagine sitting surrounded by all these animals with just the other seven members of your family knowing that everyone else you knew was gone. And then after spending almost a year inside that boat, they step out into this world that's no longer beautiful. It's no longer amazing, filled with life, but it's broken. It's chaos. God had just saved them from his judgment, but instead of taking them back to the life that they knew, God's judgment actually leaves them in this state of unknown, wondering how are they going to survive moving forward. I imagine that all of this compiling onto Noah and his family left them with PTSD. I imagine they even had this sense of survivor guilt, which is real for a lot. That pain, that brokenness, I know would lead to suffering in their hearts, would lead to suffering in their lives. And just like that, their world was broken and cursed. Our world is broken and cursed by sin. We still live in this chaos that exists after the flood, and we all experience suffering. The sin of the entire world and God's judgment upon it led to the suffering of Noah and his family. And the sin and foolishness of Noah led to him suffering nakedness and shame. The sin of Ham led to the suffering of him and his descendants. Imagine he would live the rest of his life knowing that his son is cursed because of him. 
And then his son has to live the rest of his life with this cloud of his father's failure over him. But not all suffering is direct result of sin. Noah's suffering didn't come because Noah disobeyed God. Noah's suffering came because he was righteous. Because God saw him and said, I want to save him. And it was actually in God's means of salvation that caused Noah's suffering. It was in God's grace that Noah experienced the most suffering. Sometimes our suffering is the same. Sometimes our suffering isn't because we have failed God or because we have chosen to sin against him. Sometimes our suffering is because God is doing something in us to reveal his goodness and his grace to us. While I know we all wish it weren't Suffering is actually a part of following Jesus. We will all, he will always use suffering to grow us. And as we see throughout scriptures, if you look closely at every New Testament book, there are several truths. One of them is that God loves his creation and is always seeking to redeem it. And another is that we will suffer. It's almost like they're parallel among, within the gospel. But unfortunately, we often see suffering as a sign that we messed up. We see suffering as a way for God to punish us. We think that if we're suffering, we must not be inside God's grace. But as was the case with Noah, suffering can often be a part of God's grace and kindness to us as he rescues us from our sinfulness and brokenness. He will take us through suffering. I know many of us here have suffered a lot over the last year or so. And yeah, while it will look different for all of us, God will use our suffering to draw us closer to him. Over the last few months, I have experienced suffering and pain, some because of my choices over the last decade, but some just because it's God's goodness in my life. And in that suffering and in that pain, I have been so grateful for God's goodness because I experienced this suffering and I experienced this pain and And even though it brings questions of why are you doing this, God, I see his magnificent love for me. I see his grace in my life through that suffering. God has used the suffering and pain to reveal in me my desperate need of him. And actually... It's in that pain and suffering that he's renewed a love for him, a love for his church, and a love for his people that I had lost. 
The reality is suffering is inescapable. In this life, we are, going, we are living as sinners and sufferers. But thankfully, we see in the life of Noah and we see throughout the rest of Scripture that God doesn't leave us there. He doesn't leave us in our brokenness and in our sin, but instead he makes us saints. Verse 26, he also said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After cursing Ham, Noah pronounces this blessing on his other sons, on Shem and Japheth. And while I'm sure that Shem and Japheth were not perfect, in this story in particular, we see that they chose righteousness. And because of this, they were blessed. Noah blesses them because they chose not to participate in Ham's sin. We see here in this passage in particular that there is a, there is a connection between sin and cursing. Adam and Eve's sin led to the curse of the entire world and to all of creation. Ham's sin leads to cursing of him and his sons. We also see a connection between righteousness and blessing. However, we got to be careful like, not to correlate living righteously with always resulting in blessing. Making the right choices and living according to God's way will not always result in blessing and prosperity as we think of blessing and prosperity. The blessing from choosing righteousness is determined not by the righteousness that we choose, but whose righteousness we choose. If we decide to live according to our righteousness, ultimately we will fail. We won't experience blessing because our righteousness is based on our own actions and our own abilities. And all of us are imperfect and all of us are broken. There's not a single one of us in this room that can actually live a righteous life according to God's standard. Because our righteousness relies upon our own strength, it will fail, it will leave us wanting, and thankfully it leaves us longing for a Savior. But if we put our trust in the righteousness from Christ, we will find life. Because Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't live, and he died the death that we deserve to die. And in so doing, he shares the reward and blessing that he receives. So when we choose his righteousness, we participate in, in the blessing of his glory, the blessing of his eternal life. There is that connection between righteousness and blessing, but it's his and his alone. What we see in the word is that every person whom the work of Jesus Christ on the cross has saved has saved, is made a saint. That's the great thing about Christ's righteousness, is that it makes us God's children, and it calls us saints. 
See, it is not our lives that determine whether or not we are saints, but it is the perfect life of Jesus. Moses here can have the story of Noah end with failure and foolishness because his actions don't define his life. Excuse me, I was, I was thankful this week that my brother Mark, after a conversation, texted me and reminded me that God's grace is sufficient and that it doesn't matter to God about my past. That's not what determines my standing with him. Noah's past doesn't determine or decide his standing with God. It didn't matter that Noah was deemed righteous. It didn't matter that Noah was said he walked with God. It also didn't matter that he got drunk and passed out naked in his tent. Because as we see in Hebrews, it was his faith. In Jesus, it was his faith in the Messiah that deemed him righteous. It's not our actions that define us. We are sinners not because we sin, but because that is who we are. And those of us in Jesus are not called saints because we live saintly, but because Jesus has covered us with his righteousness. It's his sainthood that makes us saints. So the question that we need to ask ourselves this morning, in light of this passage, in light of seeing this man who we thought was a good man, saved by, because of his righteousness and his faith and his walk with God, we see him broken. We see him failing. The question that we must ask is, what's the story of our life? What is it that is going to determine who we are seen as? From a distance, when people look at your life, do they see this guy or gal who walks with Jesus, who seems, seemingly is the perfect church person, who is a great Christian? But if they get to know you, really, they're going to find sinfulness and brokenness. Maybe you, you don't resonate with my story. Maybe you didn't live a life that was all about Jesus from the very young age. Maybe, and thankfully, God saved you out of brokenness and sin later on. And you can look back and see, man, that's who I was, but thankfully that's not who I am now. Either story is a picture of God's grace. Either story is a sign of his goodness in our, in our lives. So are you here this morning and your life is marked by sin? Maybe you find yourself ashamed and afraid of being exposed. If people were to actually look deep into your life they would see a darkness that you try to hide. 
If they looked a little bit closer in your life, they would see sinfulness that you are afraid. If it gets out there, it will change the way they see you. It will change your interactions with them. Is your sin leaving you feeling naked and vulnerable? Thankfully, there is a sun that has already covered you or is wanting to cover you. There is a son who has already seen your nakedness and your shame and is not disgusted by it. But instead, he's filled with love and compassion and he wants to take his cloak and cover you this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and, and you're suffering. You're wondering how God could use any of that pain for his goodness, for your growth, for your comfort? Does it feel like it's more than you can bear? I can't imagine experiencing what Noah and his family experienced, but yet God comforted them. God was there with them. And this morning, he wants you to find comfort and rest in Jesus. He wants you to experience his goodness. He wants you to be able to see his glorious light in his love and in his grace. But perhaps you're here and you consider yourself a saint. Maybe you see yourself as being a Christian for a long time and you're like, oh, I've... I've taken care of all the bad sins and, and the public sins. We still need Jesus. We still need to ask God to even forgive us of our own self-righteousness. Either way, this morning, would you come to Jesus and surrender your sin, surrender your righteousness, and lay your suffering at his feet. Let's pray. God, this morning you are good. God, I am so thankful for your grace, and I'm so thankful for your love and your compassion. I'm thankful that you can use our brokenness, you can use our sin, and that you will use our suffering to make us more like Christ, to reveal your goodness to us, for us to see your love and mercy in our lives. God, I pray this morning, God, that you would, would draw us close to you, that we would we would not be shaken by any of the chaos around us. But God, we would find ourselves resting firm in Jesus Christ. Amen.